Slow Show by Mia Ugly Chapter 3 Three years earlier It's fine, it's fine, it's fine, Crowley hisses to himself, raking his hands through his hair, already damp with sweat. Christ, disgusting. He just has to go out there and... It's a bloody table read. It's not going to kill him. He's looked the script over hundreds of times. He's got the lines down. He's filmed himself, played it back. He just needs to... Fuck, fuck, fuck. He grinds his teeth together, pacing around his trailer. His own trailer. And how many years has that been? He almost had a panic attack when they opened it up for him. All the lights and chrome and the granite countertops in the kitchen, like he's going to start living there permanently. Maybe he should. Maybe he should lock the door and refuse to come out. This is your chance. Your last fucking chance. And you're ruining it. You're ruining everything. In five minutes you're going to be late. You're fucked. You're fucked. You're... Water. Crowley needs water. Ten cigarettes. Ativan. Or... Other things, things he's not allowed to have, things he's not going to have, even though his silver fillings ring with the want of it. He thinks about calling bees just to hear a voice other than his own. They'd scream at him, maybe, tell him to get his head out of his arse. Threats, obscenities. God love them, at least they're predictable. There's a knock on the door. Just a minute, he says, but his voice is like lace, barely audible. Fuck. He just needs a bit more time. Like a couple of hours, maybe. Another day at the absolute most. The knock comes again. I'm having a moment here, he snarls, and then immediately tells himself off. Way to prove that you're ready to get back to work, chewing out the PA or whoever's coming to check up on you. Real classy behaviour, asshole. Crowley wipes his face with his hands and pulls open the door to apologise but there's no PA waiting outside his door. Instead, all soft and rumpled in a cardigan and sweater vest, stands his co-star, Avery Bloody Fell. I'm sorry to interrupt, my dear. Might I come in? <sighs> Crowley's very aware of what he looks like, of how blotchy his face is, the state of his hair. He isn't even wearing his glasses, and feels basically naked without them, certain his eyes are wide and bloodshot. Uh, sure, if you want. Avery comes up the steps, peers inside the trailer. He's holding a tartan-patterned thermos that matches the plaid on his stuffy little bow tie. Good God, surely this is wardrobe's doing. Surely real people do not dress like this. Oh, this is very nice. What a lovely kitchen you have. Sure, yeah. What is he doing here? Crowley much prefers to have his mental collapses in solitude. It was less messy that way. You get a fair amount of light, don't you? What a charming sofa. I dare say. Avery's eyes keep roving, and it makes Crowley nervous. What is he looking for? What will he find? How will I ultimately let this new person down? Did you want something? Yes, of course. Listen to me going on. I brought you some tea. He offers the thermos. 
Crowley accepts it automatically, still a few steps behind in this interaction. Then he catches up, and he stares. It's lemon balm. Do you like that? Avery is clearly expecting some sort of response. I should have asked. I... if I wanted tea... Crowley gestures clumsily towards the kitchen. Oh, of course. I only thought... sometimes it's nice to have someone make it for you. Crowley stares. I hope it isn't too strong. Didn't know how you took it. All the noise on the lot around them seems to fade to a dull hum, a hive of bees or a charm of hummingbirds. Avery gives a fragile smile, as guarded as the first time they met, but not cold, not at all. Thanks, Crowley says. His voice is like sawdust and his mouth is the woodshed floor. Avery accepts the gratitude awkwardly, does a little shuffle like he can sidestep away from it. Well, no trouble. I'll see you out there in, oh goodness, in two minutes? I'd better leave you to it, hadn't I? He leaves in a harried sort of way, and the scent of him lingers in Crowley's trailer, which is bloody disturbing. He shouldn't know how his co-star smells. Not on day one, anyway. Crowley unscrews the thermos lid, inhales the blossom of rising steam. He isn't much one for herbal tea, likes black coffee when he can get it. This is America, he can get it anywhere. Can wake up already drowning in the stuff. It's not the best for his nerves, but, you know, whatever does the trick. And yet the smell of Avery Fell's tea in his fancy little thermos makes Crowley feel like he can breathe again. Must be drugged. Now, that's a lovely thought. Maybe there are PRNs ground up and mixed in. Whatever it is, Crowley hasn't even taken a sip and it's already working. This has nothing to do with the other scent that still lingers in the air, that tweedy libraries and lamplight smell. And it has nothing to do with the eyes the colour of sunlight on a lake at the end of a long summer, or the... Sometimes it's nice to have someone make it for you. It's none of those things. The tea's clearly drugged. But Crowley takes the thermos with him to the table read anyway, nurses the tea while they go round with introductions, and when it's time to start reading, he finds Avery's eye across the table, manages a grin, an awkward grin, one that feels carved on his face like a pumpkin. But it's something and Avery smiles back, just a hint of sharp edges and humour in his eyes, and then they read their first lines together, and the whole damn world catches fire. After the Golden Globes and the sad L.A. flat, Crowley goes back to London. He kind of kicks around, waiting for Az to get back from the States to join him. That sounds pathetic. It is rather pathetic, but Crowley's friends are thin on the ground these days. Some of his old ones have got back in touch since Warlock became a thing, but they aren't exactly the kind of people he wants around. Sure, they were good for a laugh, a fine group to go out and fuck up your life with, but he doesn't know what they talk about now. So he spends time in London, mostly alone, remembering how to fall in love with it. He couldn't live there for almost ten years. It brought back too many memories he needed to... Not repress, exactly. 
Pepper has some thoughts about repressing things, but not wallow in either. The city didn't feel safe, and he knew too many places he could score all manner of terrible, lovely things. But now, now, it's starting to feel like home again. A feeling of home Crowley has to work at, rebuild like a torn muscle. But that's all right. He's got time to do the work. So he forces himself to go out exploring. He visits the little hidden restaurants and cocktail bars that rise and fall like waves. He finds the best place to look for second-hand records. He feeds the ducks. Frozen peas, right? That's apparently the thing. The ducks couldn't really give a damn about it. They mostly ignore him, or when they do acknowledge his presence, it's with a stare that essentially is duckish for where the fuck's the bread? Sometimes he goes to groups. Not often. It was easier before Warlock. Now people recognise him again, get all awkward and quiet, or else want to be best mates. It's fine. Groups haven't ever been his thing, only when he got really desperate. Only when that shark-toothed mouth in his chest started singing. Crowley does better on his own, so he says, with a few notable exceptions. What are you doing? He's holding his phone in one hand, trying to open a bottle of wine with the other. Just got back from the gym. Crowley has a brief vision of Az, all golden, with sweat in the California sunshine, coming through the door in... What? Shorts? Calves covered in pale blonde hair, muscles aching. Crowley almost drops the wine bottle. Holy fuck. The... the gym... He ignores how broken his voice sounds. You. You needn't sound quite so staggered by it. Gabriel suggested it. Wait, why? He's instantly got his hackles up. He's only met as his manager a few times, but Gabriel makes him want to break his own teeth. The way he talks to Avery like he's doing Avery a favour by making money off him. Like Avery isn't that guy's fucking bread and butter. He thought, may I ask you why I'm being interrogated? You do your whole wellness yoga jogging thing. Well, that's because I'm a nightmare, a literal nightmare when I don't. But you, you're... Fuck, this conversation is heading into the rocky shallows. Get it back to open water. I'm what? Perfect. Ridiculous and impossible and perfect. Don't change a hair on your head. Don't iron out a wrinkle on your cardigan sleeve. A nightmare either way, I'm sure. Damn it to hell, will this bottle ever open? Crowley tucks the phone against his shoulder, tries to bully the corkscrew. Well, if you must know, Gabriel did make a few pointed comments. He thinks I'm getting soft round the... you know... That miserable, goddamn useless piece of... Crowley's going to choke Gabriel with his precious Mark Jacobs scarf the next time he sees him. He clenches his teeth together so hard it's a miracle his molars don't crack. He's got some fucking nerve, I swear. Oh, stop! He makes a fair point, and there's continuity to think of. I have been rather enjoying myself. You're allowed to enjoy yourself. 
The cork pops free at last, buoyed by the power of Crowley's righteous anger. At least his righteous anger is good for something. I didn't expect this to be a problem for you. Let's forget about it. Talk about something else, something interesting. Fine, whatever. Just... Crowley pours himself a generous glass of Grenick to take the edge off his hatred. He stretches out on his sofa, balancing the glass on his knee and looking out at the city. Just don't let that prick... What? Manage me? It's his job, dear. You're fine as you are, Crowley mutters. Self-preservation or not, there are some things worth taking a stand for, and Crowley will die on the battlefield of Avery Fell's loveliness. Just stick him full of spears or swords or whatever. He'll bleed out beautifully and regret nothing. Fine as I am. As lets out a sandpapery laugh. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for that ringing and enthusiastic endorsement. Crowley forces himself to laugh too, even though it tastes like pine needles. If Avery wants ringing enthusiasm, there is a whole prayer book of things Crowley could say to him. Crowley could absolutely do enthusiastic, if that's what As wants. Crowley could do bloody poetic as well. He's been reading a lot of Ishiguru, trying to work on his attention span. Instead, he's just become all introspective and moodier than ever. Don't even talk to him about never let me go. It's a whole fucking thing. But if As wanted poetry, he could have poetry. If As wanted fields of violets, if he wanted hymns and lighthouses and origami hearts folded and offered up in trembling, willing hands on bended knee, if As wanted begging... Anyway, in short, Crowley could scorch this earth and salt it, and he'd still have things to say about the man breathing gently on the phone with him. Or maybe not things to say. Fuck saying things. Things to feel. To feel bad about, definitely. Things to want. Can't let you get too full of yourself, he manages. Of course not. As is rustling around, doing something, and Crowley aches at the quiet domesticity of his life on the other side of an ocean. The other side of the world. How's London? As asks, moving things along. Noisy. Hot. How's L.A.? Noisy. Hot. Heard from Tracy. Still in Iceland with the ladies. As and Tracy have been together seemingly forever, but the two live quite separate lives. Maybe that's the reason they haven't split up yet, like all the other celeb couples. When As is filming, Tracy is usually off somewhere with a pack of ladies, travelling, taking photos with enormous glasses of white wine. Crowley sometimes sees her when she's in the city, but those times are few and far between. She loves it, of course, sends me terrible photographs constantly. She's got rather into black and white, fancies herself the next Ansel Adams. How could you take terrible photos of Iceland? Oh, my dear, Tracy can take terrible photos of anything. It's a gift. Azzy's voice is so full of affection that it's blinding, even from 5,000 miles away. So, what have you been up to lately, when you aren't berating me for the grievous sin of taking care of my physical health? 
Not much other than that, to be honest. Crowley sips his wine, stares out of the window of his apartment. He's on the tenth floor, can see the lights of the city coming on around him. It makes him feel that odd combination of contentment and loneliness, all tied up with ribbon like a wedding present. You should find a better hobby. But I enjoy this one so much. Plus I've got the plants. Talk to them, don't I? He accidentally mentioned that to us once, and the man found it completely charming. If he knew the real nature of the conversations Crowley and his ferns have, he would have second thoughts. Best not to get into it. Forgive me for not thinking that's an appropriate comparison. What's that sound in the background? Is as... How on earth is he getting changed? Getting ready to shower after the gym. Is he towing off his shoes? Trying to get his kit off one-handed. You need a night out, dear. See a show. Hear some music. You know, there's this charming little bistro that Tracy and I visited. Is he standing in the bathroom? Goosebumps rising over his shoulders. Is there one clear drop of sweat travelling slowly down his spine, the way Crowley might travel with his tongue? Crowley? What? Oh, yeah, out, yeah, maybe. Crowley takes a quick swig of wine to get the taste of Avery's skin out of his mouth. He only chokes a little. Brilliant recovery. You should have been a spy, mate. Worked for MI6. Maybe I will. Well, then, be sure to let me know how it goes. There is amusement in Az's voice. A gentle sort of laughter that Crowley wouldn't tolerate from anyone else. But from Avery it's like music. Like the low, sweet line of a bass guitar wrapping its dark arms around Crowley's shoulders. Oh, did you read the new scripts yet? The whole Bible was delivered yesterday. I don't know if... Shit. The season three scripts are out. Maybe Bees has his. I haven't seen them. How are they? I'm going to settle in tonight to have a look. Let me know when you get them, assuming they haven't written you out of the show entirely. Oh, nice. Fine, if that's how you're going to be. I'll go solo. Have a spin-off series all about my roguish adventures. What roguish adventures are those? Well, I don't know. Some sort of monster of the week set up. Maybe a bit of time travel with sexy results. Naturally. You've got to have sexy results these days, on account of millennials or something, probably. Makes perfect... Oh, Gabriel's calling. Will you ring me later? There's a pause, like the space between stars, the time between heartbeats. I mean, if you like. Might do. Crowley's attempt at sounding casual is the least casual he's ever sounded in his life. All right. Have a good evening, dear. You too, Angel. Crowley puts his phone down. He sits there, looking out at London. Mates do this sort of thing, right? Call each other up, talk about nothing, say dear and darling, as, and stare moon-eyed and yearning and half-smouldering, Crowley, at each other. It's a totally normal thing that friends do. It's nothing. It's nothing, 
he told Pepper a couple of days ago, sitting in her overly welcoming office, walls covered with photographs that are probably supposed to be full of deeper meaning. Close-ups of leaves, two entwined hands, a tree silhouetted against a sunset. Where does she even get this stuff? Did Tracy take them? Nothing. Well, there's probably nothing. Nothing's the matter. He chews on his thumbnail. Can't stop. It's unattractive, but he gets anxious in these sessions. Feels like he's got to give the right kind of answer or she's going to call the press or something. Well, it's fine. He's, he's a friend, that's all. Hmm. Pepper always makes that sound when she's about to say something Crowley isn't going to like. Do you think part of you is drawn to him because he's off limits? <sighs> no. Why would I want to get all fucked up over someone like that? Because if he were available, you might have to think about pursuing him. So? If you pursued him, you might have to consider yourself worthy of love. <laughs> well, so, Pepper's fired. Fuck it. Crowley picks his phone back up. Maybe Az was right. Maybe he needs a night out. It's either that or stay in and finish reading when we were orphans. Not going to end well. Or plan how he's going to fire Pepper. Also not going to end well. It hasn't happened yet, clearly. But maybe the next appointment. Or the one after that. Maybe. For all his wandering around London, he doesn't usually go to bars alone. He's never much been one for the scene. It's way too old to fuck around at XXL or Heaven. Was thrown out of there once, back in his younger days. But music is another matter entirely, and when he checks the 100 Club's website, finds out that the Orchids are playing. Well, it's worth a shot. It's been ages since he thought of that band, and fuck, their music takes him back. He gets his leather coat, fusses a bit with his hair, leaves the sunglasses at home. Sometimes he's less recognisable without them. What a thing. Cabs it to the venue, leans against the bar in the back, in the darkness, remembering what it felt like to be young and dangerous, remembering when none of his choices mattered, because they were all the right ones, back when he was a lighter full of white flame, and he'd never burn out. Avery isn't so much into music like this, but he'd probably like the orchids. Bit on the softer side. Crowley should take him out when he's back in London, make him go to one of the underground clubs Crowley used to love. He'd bring earplugs that Az could wear if it got too loud. They wouldn't have to stay if he didn't like it, but Crowley thinks he'd like it. He can imagine it already. See Avery limbed in stage light, glancing over at him and pulling a face, or maybe smiling. He smiles at Crowley a lot. Furtive smiles that Crowley peels away and saves for later, presses them like flowers in books, and if the petals stain the pages, he's not bothered. What are you drinking? There's a guy standing next to him, handsome in a way, with a scrappy Irish musician thing going on. Long hair, plaid shirt, heartfully unshaven. He's a bit younger than Crowley, but not much, probably. Crowley's a shit judge of people's ages. 
This? I think it's the dead pony. I mean, what'll you have? Oh, Crowley takes a second look. The bloke's not unattractive, whoever he is. He's got nice eyebrows. Uh, I'm not particular. Crowley lies like a liar. The scrappy musician goes with tequila shots, which is fine. Tequila is a young man's game, but whatever. Crowley fucking put on his leather jacket for this. He licks the salt off his hand, sucks on a slice of lime as this guy goes on about his songwriting process. He's got guitar-playing hands, broad-palmed and long-fingered and calloused where they brush against Crowley's wrist. The shots disappear, and more follow them. And, well, it's been a long time. Judging from the way Crowley's forearms made Crowley want to stuff his whole fist in his mouth, it's been a really, really long time. The band is singing Something for the Longing, which, of course, is killing Crowley faster than his cigarettes are. Oh, won't you hold on to me, baby? Won't you hold on to me, girl? Three years. Three years he's been fucked up over Avery Fell. Count the days, the hours. Number them on your matchstick fingers and then light yourself on fire. Another round? Sure, right. After a couple more shots of tequila, they're snogging like teenagers in the toilets and Crowley is asking him back to his place. Didn't I ask for some loving? Something for the longing. They have a nice enough time when they get there. Christ, any physical contact that isn't his own hand feels like a fucking luxury right now. And maybe Crowley thinks briefly of Avery's soft pink mouth as Matt, Mark, drags his lips over Crowley's stomach, rubs his stubble cheek against Crowley's inner thigh. Maybe Crowley imagines pale curls clenched tight in his fist, swallows down a name that fits so easily in his mouth, chokes back the fuck yes, I love it, I love You're so fit, Matt, Mark, hisses from somewhere in the dark, and it feels so fucking good to be wanted, so fucking good to be touched. Can I fuck you? Do you want that? Whatever you like, Angel. What is he doing? Just past the edge of the set, Avery has a couple of the kiddo extras gathered around him in a circle and is waving a handkerchief rather viciously in the air above his head. It looks like some sort of performance art and Crowley feels hot with second-hand embarrassment. Hasn't he shown you yet? The makeup girl laughs, finishes brushing powder over his face. <laughs> he fancies himself a magician. He does not. Crowley can't believe that people yet exist who fancy themselves magicians, particularly not fussy British actors who carry around handkerchiefs. It's too good, too much. I worked with him on the last carnival. He said it was to keep the kids entertained. <laughs> you think? Nah, he's definitely more entertained than anyone else is. Seems about right. The kids in question are slowly shuffling away or turning back to their iPhones. Avery seems unbothered by their disinterest. In fact, in fact, he looks ridiculously pleased. 
there's a little smile on his face that Crowley feels the mad urge to touch with the pad of his thumb, wants to stride across the set and reach out, and... No, no touching. Where the fuck did that thought come from? They've only been shooting a couple of days. Surely Crowley can keep it together longer than that. We good, he asks Makeup. I've got to see this. Go for it. Tell him he's got five minutes before I need him for touch-ups. Crowley crosses the floor and waves the lingering children away, earning a few grateful glances as they scatter. Heard there were all sorts of dark magics going on over here. Crowley! Another thing about Avery that's so damned unusual is how delighted he always is to see Crowley. Like, they're filming a series together. Couldn't get away from each other if they wanted to. And yet Avery lights up when Crowley joins him for lunch. It makes something warm shift in the pit of Crowley's stomach. He's not used to being so... welcome. Hello, dear. Oh, it's basic stuff, I'm afraid. Just a few things I picked up. Randomly picked up some magic tricks, eh? On your travels? Something like that. It's, well, nothing extraordinary, but I've always thought that the most extraordinary thing of them all was the power. Avery produces a red carnation from the palm of his closed hand, clearly hiding up his sleeve. Of our imagination. Crowley gives him a dubious look, which is difficult since Avery is clearly so bloody pleased with himself. It's hard not to want to ruffle his hair, tell him how splendid he is, just to keep that lovely expression going a bit longer. Uh-oh, I see we have a sceptic on our hands. We? There's no one else watching. Let's see if we can't have you convinced. Look here. From his pocket, Avery produces an oversized gold coin, some sort of pirate doubloon from a costume shop. He swishes it around in front of Crowley's face, and Crowley regrettably feels the corner of his mouth pulling into a smile. No, no, you bastard, you're supposed to be cool. You are not supposed to be this easily amused. Bite down on it, quickly. But what if... Avery snaps his fingers and the coin disappears... The man's look of wide-eyed shock and innocence makes Crowley bite down even harder. His smile wants to bloom like golden algae in a lake, kill all the wretched fish. Ah, you see? Where could it have gone? Crowley forces himself to keep his tone flat, to not be as charmed as he is. Well, I think perhaps it might be. Avery reaches forward quickly, hand brushing against Crowley's neck, his cheek, his hair. His memory is a bit patchy the next morning. There are a lot of missing pieces. For example, he legitimately can't remember if it's Matt or Mark, and at this point it seems pretty bad form to ask. He vaguely remembers the angel slip-up, though he blames alcohol for that. And Matt Mark didn't comment on it, thank Christ. And after Matt Mark finally leaves and Crowley realises he has several missed calls and four texts from bees, he tries to remember if he noticed all the flashes going off last night as he snogged his way out of the bar. Because clearly, 
Based on the number of pictures of him with Matt Mark's tongue down his throat, there were enough flashes that someone should have noticed. Someone who wasn't too many shots of tequila down the road to ruin. Maybe someone with a thimble's worth of self-preservation. Mothering, buggering shit. Are you done? Bees asks, voice weary with disappointment. If you aren't, you might call back, or at least get a bit more creative with your language. Shit, Crowley says again anyway. God, he looks like a wobbly, lecherous spider in these photos. Is he trying to fit Matt Mark's entire head in his mouth? It's not as bad as it could be. It's not like the world's forgotten how gay you are. You see, Crowley says weakly, some <laughs> benefits of, of coming out publicly and unintentionally while high as bloody fuck. Got the whole mess out of the way. Yes, and we've only been trying to rehab your image for the past 15 years as a result. Shit, shit, shit. Well, fuck my image. Everyone else gets to have sloppy nights out. Doesn't seem fair that... It isn't fair, Bees interrupts. You know that. Leo can go out with his revolting wolf pack and wreck whatever club he wants, but you have to be an absolute monk or everyone's going to think... Then bugger what they think. It was nothing, meant nothing. It wasn't like, you're not helping your case here. I was hoping you'd at least know this one's name. When Crowley doesn't say anything, bees buzzes like an angry fly. Crowley! I know his name. What is it then? It's confidential. You miserable... Listen... I've been on the phone all morning, assuring everybody you haven't fallen off the wagon entirely, that you aren't back to your old... Another call is coming in, and Crowley pulls away briefly to check it. Oh, fuck. Oh, God, no. How are they even up at this hour? Bees, I'm sorry. I have to take this. You'd better call me back immediately. We're going to need a plan. You can't just... And he doesn't find out what he can't just do, though he's certain the list is long and colourful and peppered with invective. But he can't afford to wait. He's already squeezing his eyes shut and getting up off the couch to pace. He answers the incoming call like he's biting into a cyanide capsule. Shit, shit, shit. Hello, Mum. There's a pointed silence on the other end of the phone, then... Anthony? Hello, what's this? Avery touches the space behind Crowley's ear, where the skin is so soft and sensitive. Goosebumps spring up all over Crowley's shoulders and neck, and he doesn't lean into the touch. He doesn't. But God, how he wants to. Avery pulls back, and there's a gold coin in his hand. And he's looking Crowley dead in the eyes, and his smile is a key in a lock that Crowley swore was permanently rusted shut. Calling to say hi. Catch up. So nice of you. Haven't heard from... A reporter from the Mirror contacted your father this morning, asking about you. Yeah, brilliant. Warlock's doing pretty well, I guess. 
Their questions were more to do with certain photographs of yourself and another person taken yesterday evening. You are, of course, aware of these? Yep. Crowley pops the pea sharply in irritation. That'll show her. These are the acts of rebellion he is reduced to. This reporter was quite curious as to whether your father and I had concerns over your physical and mental health currently. Any past tendencies that... Oh, I see. All right. You want another drug test, is that it? I'm clean. It's under control. It did not look like you were under control in those photographs. It looked like you could barely walk. Well, it's just the way I walk. And your <laughs> friend in the picture? Is that someone we should be aware of? Crowley wonders how shatterproof the glass on his apartment window really is. No. Ah. He can feel the heat of his mother's judgment through the phone line. You might, in future, consider the way these nights out affect public perception of your family, not just yourself. You might remember who it was who supported you the first time this sort of thing happened, and where you ended up. Breathe in, breathe out. Focus on the gold of the coin in Avery's hand, how his fingers brushed the shell of your ear and his eyes lit up as he looked at you, like you were the thing that was golden, like you had disappeared, but he brought you back. Magic. And you might remember that I'm nearly a fifty-year-old man who is not committing any crimes here. If people have nothing better to be interested in than who I get off with... Is that sort of language really... I have to go now, my manager's calling. And you have your priorities. I see. Well, go on then. But if there are more photographs in future, there won't be. God and Satan and all the rest. Crowley's going to live like a monk and a hermit for the rest of his life. He's going to find a cave on an island or something, build a brick wall around it, take a vow of silence and a vow of celibacy and die silently. There. Is that better? He'll give up anything that makes him a living, breathing person with pores and taste buds and all that revolting stuff. Completely distasteful. Can you even imagine? I can't imagine what it was like, Avery told him once. They were halfway through season two, out for dinner in that pub in Ireland that never seemed to have anyone else there, even though the food was pretty good. Avery had already polished off a bowl of beef stew and was taking his time with some treacly pudding situation that he clearly enjoyed a bit too much. Crowley was watching him eat. It was a thing he did sometimes. Don't think about it. And because he was relaxed, a couple of pints in and stupidly happy... He'd let his guard down, let the conversation somehow find its way to the topic of parents. Coming from that sort of family, surrounded by artists, did you watch their films growing up? Did they watch yours? <laughs> Not bloody likely. Crowley steadies his rattling hand by holding on to the edge of the table. They... anything I made wasn't that impressive to them. It was all soft stuff, you know? 
Not like their serious art. Serious art? My dear, you certainly... Anyway, doesn't matter. What were your folks like? As gives him a look that could cut glass. I... They were... Crowley already knows. As if he hasn't googled Avery Fell. As if he hasn't looked him up on IMDb. He knows that As came from a working-class sort of family, son of a hairdresser and a mill-worker. Knows that the arts weren't an option for him until he got a scholarship to Old Vic. Knows that all these affectations, the bow ties and cravats and posh bloody manners, are probably attempts to cover up a childhood that was anything but posh. Whereas Crowley came from money... It's why he spent his twenties in ripped jeans and safety pins, waking up in gutters, trying to choke his privilege down like wine that had gone off weeks ago. Embarrassed by his soft life and what he'd done with it. Jesus, what a prat he was. Is. They weren't exactly supportive at first, My mother died before I really started getting work, which, well, but my father is still alive, still living in the same house. He let me fix it up a bit. I wouldn't hear of moving. He has his pride, doesn't he? As his accent has gone a bit northern suddenly, just the mention of his father bringing it back. Crowley has to steady his other hand on the table as well. Mine are in Florida now, have a place in Palm Beach, still together even, for better or worse. Mostly for worse. Mum does a bit of acting now and then. Yes, I know. She was in that film two years ago. It was nominated for an Oscar. Probably. Sounds like her. Crowley knows exactly the film as is talking about a terrible Alzheimer's movie called Offerings that he sobbed through, basically, from start to finish. He'll never admit that to anyone, of course, least of all his mother. I'm sorry your mum didn't get to see you, you know, make it big. Bet she would have been proud. You don't have to say that. As looks away, glances down, blushes a bit at the tips of his ears. He's got a shadow of stubble on his jaw. There's been a lot of tromping around the wilderness this season, so both of them are looking rather grizzled. Crowley thinks it's not a bad look on As, surprising no one. He wants to touch it with his hand, or with his mouth, wants to rub his face against it like a cat might. He can't imagine it would be anything but soft. I'm sure your parents are very proud as well, As says. Oh, yeah, Crowley says with a smile that makes his teeth hurt. Proud as all get out, absolutely chuffed. We do worry about you, his mum says as an afterthought. Of course we do. We only want to ensure you are making the best choices for everyone in your life. Yes, I get that. We don't want you to forget where you were ten years ago. Well, not much chance of that, is there? Not when I can't put a toe out of line without the mirror ringing you. I don't appreciate your tone of voice. I had hoped you'd be feeling suitably ashamed of your behaviour. Crowley sighs, wonders if it's possible to asphyxiate himself by sighing deeply enough. 
That'd be a good trick. Gotta go, Mum. Lots of love. Anthony? Well, the folks are always a pleasure. How many more times can he apologise? How much longer does he crawl on his belly like a snake? How many more years does he live with ashes in his mouth? How many? At least a few more, right? Right. He doesn't call bees back. It'll hurt more later, but he's still going to put that conversation off for as long as he possibly can. They've got things under control, probably. Possibly. Don't need Crowley in their ear, mucking it all up. He goes for a jog instead. Ugh, jogging is the worst, but it quiets down his head some, so it's a necessary evil today. The sky is grey and muddy and overcast, absolutely the sort of sky he deserves today. Crowley stretches in the park and then flops dramatically onto the lawn and sends the bloody text he should have sent hours ago. Hey, it's Anthony from last night. Don't know if you saw the photos, but I hope you're okay. It wasn't something I wanted to happen. Sorry if this is kind of a mess. If you need to talk about it, let me know. A reply comes almost instantly. Hi! I'm glad you texted. It's all good. I'm good. Pretty shit photos, but I've had worse ones on Instagram. Had a nice time with you. Let me know if you ever want to do it again. Crowley is kind of shite with texts, so he just sends you too back and considers his job done. Pat on the shoulder. Gold star. One human interaction you didn't completely poison today. He smokes two cigarettes, as a reward, before jogging home. He showers, puts on something black and soft, and then just waits. Thinks about what time it is in L.A. Thinks about what Avery might feel when he sees the photos of Crowley getting his face sucked right off. He'll think you're a revolting drunk, the devil on his shoulder tells him. He'll think you're a mess, and he'll not want anything to do with you. Nah, he don't give a shit, the other devil says. Yeah, Crowley knows they're supposed to be an angel on one, but he's just got the two demons, one of them a bit uglier than the other. Avery doesn't care what you do, he isn't bothered, certainly won't be jealous. You could kiss all of London in front of him and he wouldn't feel a thing. Fuck off, Crowley tells both of them heading into the kitchen to drink three glasses of water in a row while holding his breath. That'll shut them up for a bit. While he's halfway through the second glass, his phone rings, and it's Avery. Great. Brilliant. Get it out of the way. Spread the trauma around like jam on toast. Hello? Have you seen it? The scripts? Have you read them? The greeting throws Crowley. He hasn't even thought of the script since they spoke yesterday. Um, no, I forgot to ask Bees. Everything okay? I thought you were calling about the photos. What photos? Oh, it's... Have you been online at all? I've been reading season three all morning, and you haven't... You don't know. Know what? His hand tightens around his glass. Oh, shit. 
They're killing him off. They're killing him off, and this is how he's going to find out about it. Gabriel called me yesterday about it. That's why... But I wanted to read them first before we discussed anything. It was just a bit surprising. What is it? Am I dying? Are they killing me? No, you... I can take it. Just tell... I'm falling in love with you. Crowley, very carefully, puts his water glass back on the counter before sinking slowly to the floor. He lives there now. His legs will never work again. He must have misheard. He has to have. I... I... How is he making words right now? How is he not bleeding out, lying in a pool on the marble tiles, turning wet and red? Sorry, you... Avery... Avery... What? In season three! Can you believe it? Oh. Last season it was a crisis of faith. Now it's a crisis of sexuality. One crisis after another. Oh. I think it's done fairly well. On my first read, I'm sure a lot will change. It always does, doesn't it? Oh. I wanted to talk to you about it, though. Make sure you thought... Crowley fists one of his hands against his forehead, shuts his eyes tightly, breathes out through his nose, a long, slow stream of air. Okay. So, Az is going to spend this season falling in love with him. That's... that's completely... Crowley slides the rest of the way down to the floor, lets his head thunk against the tiles... Maybe he won't fire Pepper just yet. Slow Show will continue in Chapter 4.